Welcome to Real World Enterprise Architecture. My name is Reggie. I make my living as an enterprise architect for a multinational corporation. And on this podcast, I discuss the practical ins and outs of enterprise architecture in the real world. Okay, so before you get any more invested in this little podcast, we need to have a difficult conversation. Now, I'm assuming that if you're listening to this podcast, you've got some sort of interest in enterprise architecture and where it's going. Maybe you're an enterprise architect, or maybe you want to be an enterprise architect, or maybe the idea of enterprise architecture somewhere in your future is at least a little interesting to you. I'm assuming that if you have no real interest in enterprise architecture, well, you wouldn't be listening to this. And here's the difficult conversation we need to have. Enterprise architecture is dying. And it's not just me saying it. Many people are going as far as to declare it already dead. In his 2017 Medium article, Enterprise Architecture is Dead, John McLeod says that enterprise architecture is dead, and the cause of death was too much inbreeding and self-asphyxiation. And that's not coming from someone who's anti-enterprise architecture. McLeod spent more than 20 years working as an enterprise architect, and he admits it was a great job. McLeod says that, in theory, enterprise architecture could have been an extremely valuable business function for enterprises pursuing business transformation, which, as you know, is pretty much every single enterprise these days. But, as we've talked about before, theory and practice are different. And McLeod says that, in practice, enterprise architecture has utterly failed to live up to its promise. Why? Why did enterprise architecture fail to live up to the hype? As if any practice or methodology could live up to such hype. But why specifically? Enterprise architects elevated themselves. They created entire organizations. They created processes and frameworks and tool suites and methodologies. They made the mere builders of the enterprise come to the high priest for guidance and blessing. And they worked slow, painstakingly slow. I talked about this in episode 7, The Problem with the Enterprise Architecture Playbook. And while the enterprise architects were debating about the right way to model some aspect of the architecture, agile development arrived on the scene, and the zippy cars of agile development flew right past the enterprise architects in their ox-drawn carts. Yet, as the enterprise architects stick to their old ways of doing things, the world around them still has a need for the kinds of things that enterprise architects ought to be providing. And McLeod acknowledges this. He says you'll see a lot of jobs for business analysts that sound a lot like they'd be doing the kinds of things enterprise architects should have been doing all along. And you also see high demand for people who know human-centered design or user experience or customer experience or business design. McLeod insists that this is work that an enterprise architect could have done, in theory. But they refused to learn new skills, didn't know what they didn't know, and weren't interested in finding out. They were simply too busy tooting their own horn about how important they were to the business. And now they're dead. So says McLeod. John McLeod blames the death of enterprise architecture on the refusal of enterprise architects to embrace the arrival of agile methods and design thinking. But I think it's deeper than that, even more fundamental. And to really understand the nature of the problem, we probably need to look at the rise of something we refer to as shadow IT. Shadow IT is a movement. I guess you could call it a movement. It scares the hell out of IT organizations and CIOs in particular. Shadow IT is what we call it when people doing the work of the enterprise, customer service teams and human resources professionals and supply chain management organizations, and of course the list goes on and on and on, when these people in their utter frustration with the ability of IT professionals to produce what they need when they need it, 
Jaded by the bureaucratic slowness of it all and armed with their own ability to provision a server in the cloud with nothing more than a credit card and write their own code. Shadow IT is what happens when these folks take matters into their own hands and bypass the IT bureaucracy. Barry O'Reilly talks about it in his blog post, Architecture is Dying, Why EA and Agile Isn't Enough to Stop Shadow IT, which looks to have been written uh, probably in late 2017. O'Reilly's argument is that enterprise architecture and agile methods are equally problematic because they've both evolved into a rigid, if not downright religious, set of practices, and that shadow IT is just an expression of frustrations that span the enterprise. O'Reilly insists the twin diseases of cargo cult agile and enterprise architecture are taking their toll. Now, when O'Reilly talks about cargo cult agile, what he means is the ritualistic adherence to agile practices in hopes that nirvana will result, that waste will be eliminated, that speed will be achieved, that the right things will be produced in the shortest possible time with the least amount of money. Look, no recipe in the world alone ever produced a superb dish. Give it a try yourself if you don't believe me. Find someone who can't cook but can follow a detailed set of instructions and have them cook up a risotto or homemade marinara sauce. My point is that you can't simply replace one set of rigid practices with another and expect to be better off just because of that. The process will work. You're just not doing it right, O'Reilly says, is the erstwhile cry of agilistas, enterprise architecture enthusiasts, and 20th century communists. The question I want to put to you is this. Are we throwing the baby out with the bathwater? So cliche, right? Yeah, I know. But is it really any more cliche than declaring an entire set of practices dead because we can't figure out what we're doing wrong? Unfortunately, that's what we do. We default to hyperbole, declare that something is beyond repair, and move on to newer, greener fields. My wife says I'm the master of that little maneuver. I've moved my home office countless times around our home because, and this is according to her, I don't want to fix what's wrong with the office space I have. She says I'd rather start over. I also ditched a regular drip coffee pot for a newer, better Keurig. And when the Keurig kept clogging up because I refused to clean it, I switched to a French press, then a pour-over pot, then an espresso, and now I'm back to a Keurig again. And I don't even want to mention my shed full of fishing gear. I sure hope she isn't listening to this because you know what? She's right. I'm quick to shun the old in favor of the new. I've got remnants of old office spaces scattered throughout my house and a pile of old coffee pots I can't quite bring myself to throw away. And then there's that shed full of fishing gear that my kids will hate me for leaving behind when I die. You see, I don't even bother to toss out the old, you know, clear it out. I just look the other way. And that's sort of what we do in the enterprise when things don't work out. We just shun them, pretend they're dead because they're dead to us. And we move on with the next new thing, which, you know, One day will be the old thing that we shun because if we'd had the advantage of hindsight, we'd have known all along it was a bad idea. The truth is, there's good lessons and things that don't work, but because we bet everything we had on them, we feel stung by the failure, and we'd rather just forget about the whole damn experience. Sure, enterprise architecture as a practice and enterprise architecture as a group of practitioners both have some problems. But enterprise architecture also serves a purpose to align, to guide, to explain. I talked about these in the first few episodes of the podcast. These things are needed and they're necessary and somebody is going to do them in some context if we are to create the enterprises we need. And there are people who recognize this. Charles Wilkinson, head of architecture at River Island, declares in his blog post the enterprise architect is dead. 
that while he believes the enterprise architect is dead, enterprise architecture is alive and well in the hands of collaborating solution architects who come from a development background and who have experience in helping to deliver working systems into production. Wilkinson says that most organizations have enterprise architects as well as solution architects, but he says that at River Island they've decided that they no longer need a separate group of enterprise architects. Instead, Wilkinson says, the solution architects work as a community of practice and collaborate on enterprise architecture. He says at River Island, they still define governance principles to apply and develop appropriate design patterns. However, they don't just document those and expect everyone else to adhere to them. The solution architects take those principles and apply them in the real world, on the ground, with delivery teams. Well, amen. That's the kind of enterprise architecture that works. And I can see that a company like River Island, which based on my back-of-the-envelope math for a company valued at a billion U.S. dollars, probably has less than a dozen solution architects, and they really don't need a separate enterprise architecture practice. But those of us who are 50 or 100 times that size probably do need a separate group to work horizontally across the solution architects. Still, enterprise architecture, as Wilkinson insists, is a contact sport, not an ivory tower endeavor. Maybe the problem isn't actually that enterprise architecture is dying. Maybe the problem is the way we practice enterprise architecture. In a 2019 article by Avanish Nicholas Malik, The Death of the Enterprise Architecture Framework, Malik asserts that the real problem is not enterprise architecture as an entire practice, but the nature of enterprise architecture frameworks and how we use them. When I say enterprise architecture frameworks, I'm talking about things like TOGAF or Zachman or even FIAF, the Federal Enterprise Architecture Framework used in the U.S. federal government. Malik points out that as the field of enterprise architecture has matured, it has become clear that only a small portion of the enterprise architecture framework is actually being used in the field. This lines up with my own personal experience. And of course, proponents of these frameworks know this. Well, of course the framework was never meant to be used in such a prescriptive way. I've heard them say it many times in books or articles or conference presentations. My question has always been this, if the framework or methodology, because TOGAF is a combination of methodology and framework. And now that I'm listening to myself say that out loud, I realize that a framework is really just another word for a methodology, which is just another word for a process. My question is, if the framework was never meant to be used in such a comprehensive and prescriptive way, then why write it down in such detail? I think that's actually what Malik is getting at in the article. Malik asserts that frameworks foster the notion of either project engagement in the case of TOGAF or big strategic planning engagements in the case of Zachman or FIAF. Malik observes that the most effective enterprise architects understand that enterprise architecture is an ongoing activity that doesn't fit either category well. While there are some big initiatives, most of the time enterprise architecture is a day-to-day -day activity, working with teams to guide the decisions that go into socio-technical systems. And of course, enterprises are socio-technical systems. In my mind, focusing on frameworks has three distinct disadvantages. First, it gives the impression that the process is more linear and straightforward than it actually is. Second, it wastes time and money, producing artifacts that aren't needed and don't actually help. And third, it allows enterprise architects to sit in their ivory towers and debate about process and terminology, cranking out volumes of artifacts that have the appearance of measurable progress and avoid the day-in, day-out scut work of enterprise architecture. Malik is for killing the enterprise architecture framework altogether, opting instead for four key pillars. A core understanding of terminology, what is a capability, what is a system, what is a program, what is a business rule. A way to establish objectives that are easy to understand and useful to the enterprise. 
a key set of simple architectural deliverables to support the objectives, and a set of best practices to guide the development of deliverables. Malik suggests that these are the things that are important and that enterprise architecture frameworks just need to go. Well, I'm not ready to go that far. I believe enterprise architecture frameworks are useful in doing the things Malik says we need to do. Things I agree with, by the way. We just need to be aware of the disadvantages, the risks, the lure, and use them appropriately. I'd like to discuss one last post I found. Siren Pillay's 2017 LinkedIn post, Enterprise Architecture is Dead, Long Live Agile Enterprise Architecture. I think Pillay's LinkedIn post really starts to get at the heart of the solution, which is to fundamentally change the way we think about enterprise architecture. Pillay describes two basic types of enterprise architects. The first type is the ivory tower architect, who tends to live high above the mucky muck, poring over highly abstract capability models and spreadsheets, providing limited value. And from this perch, they troubled deaf heaven with their bootless cries about proving the value of enterprise architecture. These are Pillay's eloquent words, not mine, but I completely agree. Pillay says that despite having an enterprise-wide view, very often the ivory tower architects lack the basic insights to make effective decisions. Narrowly focusing on outworn creeds such as enterprise architecture methodologies and modeling and frameworks. From the tone of this description, it's obvious that Pillay doesn't think too highly of the ivory tower architect, and neither do I. The second type of enterprise architect Pillay talks about is the holistic and integrated thinker who inhabits many areas of an organization. They may not even call themselves enterprise architects. They might be in the C-suite or middle management or principal engineers or business analysts. They often live at the dirty construction sites where enterprise capabilities are being built. They're quick to embrace what works and discard what doesn't, and they're not afraid to get their hands dirty. They understand that enterprise architecture is fundamentally a contact sport. Pillay clearly thinks this kind of enterprise architecture is valuable to the enterprise, and so do I. So, do I think enterprise architecture is dead? Well, no, it's alive, but perhaps not well. Do I think it could die? Again, no, but I'll offer a great big but. Certainly, ivory tower enterprise architecture is taking its last few breaths. It's dying and we should turn off the life support system. But the need for practical enterprise architecture is more important now than ever. And we know for sure that's true when the consultants start lining up to be part of the new movement. I ran across a 2020 Infotech blog post, actually more of a marketing message that declared, traditional enterprise architecture is dead, we need to move with the times. It entices us with the offer of a document that describes what has changed in enterprise architecture and how we must shift the operating model to suit. The ad, because that's what it was, goes on to say that, Empowering enterprise domain architects, training, collaboration, and pragmatism are all key. That we need to transform the reputation of enterprise architecture from a red tape ivory tower subject to a behavior that everyone can share. And then it invites us to speak to an analyst for more information. I got a real kick out of that. It struck me as uh, a process for getting rid of a process. Look, you don't need to consult an analyst to leave the ivory tower behind and make your way to the enterprise construction site. You don't need an analyst to tell you how to get off your ass and go be a hands-on enterprise architect. You just have to be willing to do it. Well, that's it for now, folks. So get out there and have yourself a good day. And remember, people are people and the world is a messy place. So don't be afraid to get a little dirty. <laughs>